When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you. It's Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are uh, good to go. As uh, 10 days away from Ireland, when will the black shirts be divvied out? What's the depth chart look like? And uh, a good post-practice with Coach Janander, Coach Dawson, a handful of players. What do they see and say on the defensive side? Well, get to that. Mitch Sherman will join us in about 20 minutes from the Athletic. Sherm's takeaways with Nebraska as uh, things get ready for kickoff over in Dublin in hour two. Uh, some thoughts from Rick Kaczynski, longtime coach at Nebraska and Iowa. Get his perspective on a lot of things that uh, mentality, philosophy, what's the what's the personality going to be like with the Nebraska offensive line and Kaz will be able to speak to that because of Coach Riola and uh, the graduate assistant, uh, Cooling. Uh, both those guys are Notre Dame GAs who worked for a guy that, that Coach knows, Coach Kaz knows, uh, knows well from, from Notre Dame. Uh, and, of course, uh, time with the Bears in the NFL. So uh, some perspective there. And Kaz will talk a little bit about to, to the process of uh, handing out and uh, the the history behind the the black shirt when when they were down in Lincoln. So we'll spend time there in hour two with Coach Kaz, a Tuesday with Kaz. And then uh, Mike St. James will be with us. One last rodeo for Better Call Saul. The series finale uh, was last night. A lot of us watched. We'll have some thoughts. Where does it rank when it comes to series finales? And uh, did it stick the landing? Numbers to get in, 466-3776, toll free, where you can hear us, 1-800-825-5865. Across the uh, great state of Nebraska. And email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Some emails to get to it a little bit. Find Elijah Herbal on Twitter at Herbal Essence. Chris Schmidt, that's me at Schmidt underscore radio. Follow the show at HVarsity Radio on Twitter and uh, always follow along with Hail Varsity. Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and uh, Hail Varsity's YouTube channel. We've got all that covered. Elijah, are you ready to make a decision or do we do this Monday before or even Tuesday before? The, the great trek over to Ireland. Are you ready to, to call your shot? I, I'm, I'm leaning close. I want to hear what Whipple has to say about his offensive line on Thursday's post-practice. But uh, it is that time for predictions. You're getting more and more predictions. You had 
the Wisconsin-Nebraska preview yesterday. We talked with Paul Meyerberg from USA Today. He's not calling his shot with a number, but seven seems doable when you look at the schedule. Although four four wins, going from a three-win team to a seven-win team is a monster jump, let alone if you get a little bit higher to that eight or nine-win number some folks are, are leaning towards. You've talked about it with your work buddies. You're trying to figure out and decide to be the one guy or one of many that are right that that peg the win total. That's part of the fun and misery, quite honestly, when you look back and there is some debate. There is debate, and it's been ongoing. Do you beat Illinois this year? There's some debate. Do you handle Minnesota? Do you finally get over the Iowa hump? We're getting Twitter questions. Is this the year Nebraska beats Iowa? And uh, I will get back to you (laughs) is my answer. We'll do the week-to-week prognostication for sure but to me what what makes if i'm looking at optimism and pessimism for this season there's a lot that's got to go right and that goes to the right column it's not unheard of mel tucker did it a year ago but it seems it's kind of unheard of during the Scott Frost era. It seems like that's a hell of a lot to ask to hit on all cylinders and be right and everything gel and work smoothly. But there's not really been a lot of drama. There's not been a lot of murmurs from camp. Uh, coaches are saying the right things, and I think they're honest with their assessment where guys have come in and they're ready to work and perform. But I think what is most exciting for for Nebraska football in 2022 is there there are plenty of options I think everywhere except the offensive line okay and that's scary so that's that's a big detractor with success what do we know about the offensive line there's not a farmer there's not uh, a Hymas there's not a, a Farniak there's not a Jurgens. I mean guys that are in the league right I mean at one point in time, they've all played here, and Nebraska's still been a sub-500 team. But you have options at quarterback. You have options at wide receiver. You have options at running back. You have uh, more of a drill down and high-level performer, a special teams coach that will win you some games or stalemate you. It won't lose you games, theoretically. Still got to go do it when it comes to coverage and returns and punting and, and, and making field goals. It still has to go happen. But just call me crazy, I feel a little bit more blind faith-wise in Bill Bush's assessment uh, because he's done it at a high level for a long time. And then defensively, you've got a lot of toys to pick from. Can they go play ball? Can they stop the run? Can they get after the quarterback? Can they cause turnovers? But the way that Nebraska's defensive side has talked – it's, it's all right to, to feel okay. What we don't know is how are some of these first-time starters that have been biding their time in the program going to perform when it's their turn to be the guy. That's always hard to predict. And you have some situations when Garrett Nelson and Caleb Tanner and Ty Robinson that, okay, this is another year for them to be more than just contributors. This, they've been starters before. They're going into... Uh, a known arena because they've 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 done it before and they know what to expect and they know how to get better and adjust and adapt. Uh, same with your inside linebackers with Henrich and Reimer, but those guys are good. 
really good. What's behind him is what we don't know. But what I feel good about is you've had another year in the program. You've had a full year of development for a lot of guys on the outside, on the interior, with additions from the portal. You've had a number of guys that have been in the program that haven't been forced and thrown in, a la like some of the guys on the offensive line that are super young in their career. You've got guys around the program, again, aside from the offensive line, that have been through the practices, through the development phase. So they may be a little bit more ready. They might be a little bit more ready because they've had time to to get ready. And that's been a big thing. I don't know that that's always been the case. To me, if things do go poorly for Nebraska and they fall short of expectations, they fall short of that 7.5 win total, it's because the defense doesn't live up to the expectations that that we uh, as Nebraska media and, and Nebraska fans have in mind. Because... I think the expectations for the offense is that there's going to be some growing pains early. That's why you, you want this running game to be successful because that's something that can take away those growing pains Solves early a lot in the of season. Problems. Solves a lot of problems if you can have a consistent running game through your first three weeks to get some of those those wrinkles ironed out. But I don't think that's what's important in terms of Nebraska living up to expectations because that's expected. It's the defense that it comes down to for me. If, if there isn't enough depth with Big Ten experience up front, in uh, that defensive line, they start getting worn down throughout a game. What happens to the linebackers? They're going to have to start getting sucked up closer to the line of scrimmage. And then with a, a young, inexperienced secondary behind them, our team's just going to be able to dink and dunk Nebraska down the field all game because the linebackers got to be worried about the run because the defensive line isn't doing a good job filling gaps. And then, oh, well, it's going to be tough to replace the likes of Cam Taylor-Britt and Deontay Williams and uh, Markel Dismuke like, with those guys. Those are big shoes to fill, and we've heard optimism about that secondary room, but if it's those guys on an island against wide receivers because they don't get any help from anywhere else in the defense and the pass rush isn't getting home, then it's warning bells. Teams are going to be able to just drive this Husker defense down the field, and while the offense is going through growing pains, they're not going to be able to to compete in a shootout. So to me, that's where things go poorly, and and we've spent so much time. This team can go as far as the offensive line, and I still think that to be true. That's assuming what we know about this defense, what we know about the coaching staff shooting us straight and saying, yeah, well, yeah, we still feel good about this defense. If that is the case, then it does fall down to the offensive line. But if Nebraska were to fall far short of expectations, it's because that defense can't live up to, to the, the standard that that defense last year set. Eventually, you'll have to have the emergence of complimentary football. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. It's been on a milk carton for a while. And, <laughs> I heard that one before. <laughs> right? But, but you know, your defense can't go into midseason doing as much heavy lifting as they did a year ago. And while they can be better and they can be deeper, you're going to need the offense to come along. But you presumably will have a can't-lose-it-or-won't-lose-it phase of the game in special teams. So uh, call me uh, optimistic, Chris, on this Tuesday based on – post-practice and how things have been coming along. Let's hear from Coach Janander specifically on how that depth chart is shaking out. You know, some guys are, are solidified and there's still positions. You know, take the nickels, for example. You know, it's right now it's or, or, or. And I got to see who's going to have the best practice. And it might be that all year. I feel like we got three competent guys right now. And it might be whoever practices the best that week gets to go out there first snap. Now, I assume that all those guys are going to play. They're all playing on special teams, just like it is at some other positions. Um, but we, we got the luxury right now having some guys <clears throat> excuse me, that can all go out there and be a starter. I think it's a great thing to have, a great problem to have, because we have to have good practice now or you don't get to walk out there first. 
kind of goes to what we were talking about here where there is real competition. It's not, well, you know, we wish you were better, but you're the best we got, so we're going to play you. That's going to give us the best chance to win, that that coaching thought bubble. Now it's it's a little bit more cutthroat to, to get time and keep time. More from Coach Janander here on Oshan, his impact. And we talk about the expectations for Oshan and the NIL win over Texas and in his proven performance in the Big 12 getting after the quarterback, a super athletic league. You don't know how he's going to hold up or – heal up against Big Ten offensive lines. But, you know, he's a specimen, and he's been the right guy in the right room. And it sounds like it's it's gone pretty seamless from a teammate standpoint uh, where he's been accepted, and, and a lot of that's been how he's come in uh, with the right attitude. More on Oshan from Coach Janander here, his impact and how it's helped the rest of the defense. Yeah, similar to the nickel position, it's it's just been more competition and more more guys that everybody sees now. There's five guys, and any of them can walk out there, and nobody would blink an eye, right? And everybody has to raise up their level of competition when you get a new guy in the room that can compete for a starting job, for a starting rotation. Guys that no, understand, like, hey, this isn't play around time anymore. Every rep counts. Every rep's being filmed. Every rep's being graded. And just having more of those guys in the building helps. One of those new guys in the building is Devin Drew. And this is a bit of a pleasant surprise. He's not going to be told to go start. We don't know how many snaps he's going to get. But as far as his progress and getting up to speed, it sounds like that's a little bit better than expected. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been pretty amazing actually. The guy came in um, first off, Coach Dawson and, and the GAs have done an unbelievable job meeting extra with him, getting him ready. He's went out there, and you expect those guys to come out there, and you, you want to see what they can do, right? Can he play three technique? Can he can he play the run? Can he go rush the passer? And you expect there's going to be errors and blowups everywhere. There hasn't been. There hasn't been with him right now. He's dialed in. He's operated, and he's going to compete for a, a chance to play. You know, realistically in Ireland, you get here late, you expect him to take some reps. Um, how many? I don't know. We'll see through this week, but I expect him to take some reps in, uh, in Dublin. Last thought from Coach Shenander. We'll hear more from Coach Dawson in about 20 minutes, but uh, the, the black shirt distribution, where is that at for Nebraska? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, actually, Coach Frost just uh, told me the other day we need to talk about it, so we haven't decided yet. Um, either I'll tell you this, it'll either be right before we leave or it'll happen right when we get there. So that is Coach Chinander. One last thought from Chins, uh, if we can squeeze it in. How's the offense looked, right? We want to know that. What's his perspective from the defensive side? The offense has done a tremendous job transitioning from the spring to the fall. Um, you know, I know in springtime they wanted to get the new offense put in, and there was a lot of stuff getting thrown at those guys, and now it's the second time through for them, and they've done a, a really good job. They've given us some really tough looks, you know, both in the pass game and the run game, formationally, motion stuff. Um, so it's been great for us because we've got to look at a lot of different things. Uh, there shouldn't be anything that anybody throws out there where we're like, oh, man, we don't know how to fit that or we don't know how to line up to that formation because our offense has done a great job with, with give it to us and um, you know they got a ton of playmakers over there too so I'm excited to watch those guys get the ball in their hands and run around when it's not us trying to tackle them somebody else. Another thing coach Jen Anders touched on was was how much improved tackling was when they were live in Sunday's scrimmage. Tackling much better and you want to see that continued improvement 
And uh, that's the name of the game. Blocking, tackling, it's boring as all get up, but it's going to win you games. And if your team can do it, you're, you're a happy fan base. Numbers to dial up can join us. We'll have uh, a portion that's open for phone calls or can also tweet in at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence and uh, the phone line at 466-377-800-825-5865. Ten days out, you're leaning more optimistic or are you in that holding pattern where you don't want to uh, commit because, man, you thought it was going to be better last year or two years ago? Totally get it. Mitch Sherman, he's on the way. Rick Kaczynski, less than an hour. Tale Varsity were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hey, Storm Chasers fans. Your favorite baseball team is back at home August 23rd through the 28th when they take on the Rail Riders. It's a jam-packed series that includes a dollar beer night, Friday fireworks, a fun-filled Saturday with music by Lucas Minor and craft specials on Nebraska Brewing Company. And how about Imaginary Friend Day on Sunday? Stevie, you hear that? No, Stevie, stop. This is my mic. Sorry, folks. Stevie gets excited sometimes. Hey, hold on to that excitement and channel it on August 28th at 2.05. Sound good? All right. Fans, get your tickets now before it's too late. We'll see you soon. This segment is presented by Union Bank and Trust. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to Mitch Sherman with The Athletic. And find Mitch. Follow him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, you played your home course this weekend. That thing just beat me up and spit me out. You know, maybe it was one of your balls that I found in my backyard yesterday. <laughs> well, I was going to uh, – seriously, I was going to – was it red? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, white ones. Um, but so what <laughs> that narrows it down, right? No, Schmidt needs the high visibility ones for I us, do. which is he's sitting I, out of the woods. Well, and that's just it. <laughs> there was, there's three different courses, and one of them was uh, the, uh, I don't know, I, Mako. They're different shark names, right? The Great White. Yeah, the Great White. You and, can find me on the Great White. Okay, yes. but you weren't the house with the Cubs flag, correct? No. No, I know. No. <laughs> Mitch has got a cub voodoo doll. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, again, that might be, might have been my cousin because he had a few houses. But, yeah, um, uh-huh. I was going to say hello, but you were, you know, working down at, down at post-frost uh, practice, so good for you. I, oh, yeah. I was, I was oh, using yeah. the golf ball. Now, now, Mitch, okay. living right next to the golf course like that, do you ever have anyone hop the fence and try to play out of your backyard, play it as it lies? Well, there's no fence there. You can play out of my backyard just by walking across the rough. Um, it does not happen real often, but uh, fortunately we've got a little bit of a barrier. Uh, so if you are playing out of my backyard, you, you are out of bounds and you, your shot has gone very wayward. Mm-hmm. No, no divots in Mitch's backyard. That's right. Uh, Mitch has got seven Dobermans. He'll sick on you. Mitch, what did you think of, of post-practice today, uh, defensive day today? Uh, anything mm-hmm. stick out from from either uh, Coach Janander or or Dawson or or any of the players? It, do you take something with you in your back pocket? Yeah, I mean they're about wrapping this thing up. 
That's yeah. where we're at in camp. Um, heard from Brian Buscini, the punter. Sounds like things are going well for him. He's excited to get overseas and punt in the soccer stadium. Things sound in pretty good shape on the defensive side. Heard a little bit about the Nichols with the three-man rotation they're planning to go to. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, getting to the end. I mean, we're a week away from the Huskers touching down in Ireland and uh, having about three days of practice before that opener. And it, it sounds pretty optimistic on that defensive side, Mitch, and you know, Elijah and I were talking because you know you get ten days till kickoff, and folks are fans are are chirping amongst themselves. You know what what's what's this season going to be? And it, again, it feels like a one game season for your mood as a fan. But you know, I can lean a little bit left here on the optimistic uh, portion of this exercise, just because I think the the depth is is real on the defensive side of the ball presuming and again it's not ever great to presume but presuming guys that have played before are are ready to step into some some holes some roles that they've it's not like they're their first time in it but there's a little bit more experience behind them i think that can be good there's a lot that needs to mesh and gel but it sounds like competition's been driving everyone's level and ability uh towards uh, the, that, that ceiling. The direction's been the right direction. On the defensive side, yeah, I think that's the case. They, and, and it's a continuation of what has happened under Eric Chenander for the past four seasons. They lost a lot personnel-wise from the, the end of the 2021 season until now, but I think this is a defense that's ready and prepared to take a step forward with what they're doing starting next week. Not to say that they're going to pick up where they left off with all of the same production and experience, but I think there's a consistency in the flow with the way that this, this defense has progressed. And, you know, that's never really been the case on the offensive side in the, in Scott Frost's time. And, And I wouldn't say it is this year either. They're, they're trying to pick up, at a new spot, uh, at a new place. They're, they're, they're looking um, at that wide receiver position to make a big jump at the running back spot to take a big leap in production. Of course, we know about changes at quarterback. It's been disjointed on the offensive line, but it's, all, it's entirely different on defense where it's really been uh, plug and play. With the exception of the defensive line, those, mm-hmm. those two positions in the middle of the defensive line, um, really, it's just kind of the next man up is, is the mentality for for Chenander's group, and you know that's that that lends itself to um, quite a bit of uh, quite a high level of comfort, I would say, where you can play the players at nine or ten spots on the field who've been groomed for those positions without a lot of uh, without a lot of of uh, inconsistency without without much uh, much difficulty in, in bringing them along. So, um, you know, that's kind of what we expected or what I expected going into the fall, going into August on the on the, with this defense. But uh, you never know until they start getting through it, and, and and here they are almost at the end, and it's it's played out the way I think Chins would would have would have hoped in in a in one of the better case scenarios. 
Mitch, it really feels like in the past week and a half to two weeks, we, we haven't really heard all that much about that secondary room, which is surprising considering that Dismuke and Williams and, and Cam Taylor-Brett, those are three big pairs of shoes mm. that you've got to fill. Do you think that that silence is coming from the fact that, that the coaching staff knows who they have back there and, and they're confident in who they have? Or, or is that just uh, being a, a little bit overlooked by Nebraska media right now? Well, what, what do you think of, of what's coming in the, in the secondary and who's going to be able to step up? No, I think they feel good, Elijah, about Quentin Newsom, who is the one returning starter. And Tommy Hill has stepped in and been uh, a you know, a godsend in some ways for this secondary. You know, he's you know not that not that he's going to pick up where Cam Taylor Britt left off, but he's about the most athletic guy on the entire team. So the Arizona State transfer, mm-hmm. so that that has a lot to do with uh, what uh, what you're describing there as as I, I think. Uh, some comfort with the secondary and at the safety spots, you know, miles farmer has performed pretty well in the time that he's been on the field. And you got Marquise Buford, who is kind of like a returning starter in spite of the fact that he hasn't played much at Nebraska and in his one, one season on campus. They're really confident in what Marquise Buford can give them at that safety spot. And, And you've got Deshaun Singleton behind him and Omar Brown. I mean, that's three, that's, that's, Two out of your four, who you, you, you know your second team would 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 appear to be your second team players um, as new guys in the secondary, and then Hill, of course, is a new guy, and and uh, behind behind Hill and and Newsom that corner, there's Braxton Clark, um, you know there's Tame and Lineham. They they go too deep in the in the defensive backfield uh, with a lot of with a lot of strength, I would say. Are you buying stock in some of those outside guys that have been in the program a while and, and they've just kept on developing? They've not they they've had some spot duty, but they haven't been asked to, to be the guy yet. I'm asking about Gunnarsson and Butler. Are those two guys you think can have really nice roles this season? Well, because of the way that Nebraska is going to be able to bring them along, yes. If they were being asked to step into starting roles – then you know I'd have concerns about whether they whether they were ready. They're both big, strong guys. I mean, Gunnarsson looks like Ben Stilley now, when he, he looks like a high school kid two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, he has dealt with a lot of injuries in his football career. Uh, you know, dating back to his time as a high school player in Iowa, and seems now to have stepped out of that and is is healthy. And you know, I, I thought when I met Blaze as a senior after his senior year down in San Antonio at the, at the all American bowl, you know, he was coming off hip surgery and, you know, was dealing with all kinds of stuff that made me wonder, all right, is this, is this really health wise that the, a player in, in the kind of shape that you want to bring into your program? And it wasn't anything about his physical skills or his talent. I mean, he was right there with Turner Corcoran in that, in that game and Keyshawn green who mm-hmm. played in that game, the, um, former Nebraska linebacker signee out of Florida. Um, they were at the top of that of that class. Um, so Gunnarsson is just now, I think, realizing his potential because of being healthy. And Jamari Butler is another guy in that in that same class who uh, you know has just a, a really big upside. So if those if that's your four and five at that position with those with the, at those two positions behind Garrett Nelson 
and O'Shawn Mathis and Caleb Tanner, um, then I think you feel good if you're Mike Dawson about being able to go five deep with players that you can put into the game in any, in any situation. Mitch, we got about 90 seconds left here, so I want to get your take on just what guy you think is going to be that most valuable guy for the defense this year. One of those guys where you know uh, if they have a good day, it's probably going to be a good day for the defense. Last year we thought uh, going into the season that it was probably going to be Cam taylor Britton. I think you probably could have made a, a good argument for him, but I think it ended up being JoJo Doman last season. And this year it almost feels like that guy is going to be Garrett Nelson. Do you have any under-the-radar candidates for who a defensive MVP-type player could be for this defense? Yeah, I'd look in the front seven for sure. I think if Ty Robinson steps up and has a breakout kind of year then and he's going well, then you have a pretty good sense that your defense in general is going well. Nelson, absolutely. You know, if he's up seven to ten sacks this season, then that's a real strong sign for the black shirts. And, you know, you, they're not under the radar by any means, but we have not mentioned Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich. Mm. And they're your top two tacklers from a year ago. So, I think, including JoJo, having JoJo on the roster, those are the two guys who made the most stops. So uh, it, they're they're going to be good. Um, and I, I think the question with that group at, at the at Barrett Root's position, the inside linebackers, is are they going to have some help? You know, are they going to get help from Maga Clements, from Ernest Hausman, Garrett Snodgrass? Can they go five deep at the two inside backer spots in the same way that they can at the two? defensive end or edge rusher positions and if that's the case and you can go 10 across those four spots then you know that's as good of a linebacker group as you're going to find in the big 10 west mitch sherman with us from the athletic at mitch sherman on twitter's where you find him mitch uh, we'll see you on thursday and maybe on friday for sure but thanks for giving us yes. a few minutes today bud all right thanks a lot guys take care there he is mitch sherman with us uh, on twitter at mitch sherman with the athletic Coach Dawson, what's he say about some of that outside edge rushing possibility for Nebraska and also his D-line, the interior? You know what Northwestern may do, and that's line up and try and smash mouth you uh, 10 days from now. Hale Varsity continues on a Tuesday. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Podcasts will have that up here. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hale Varsity Radio is what you key in on those three platforms. And uh, YouTube channel will have the uh, video portion of the show. That'll be up. Mitch Sherman, big thanks to him. And uh, we'll spend time with Rick Kaczynski, an extended sit-down on uh, getting into that black shirt process. Not only selection, but distribution. 
Kaz a part of that for uh, a few years with Coach Politi. And uh, it's always special because that's one of the questions. Hey, when are you handing out black shirts? You heard from Coach Janander to start the show that uh, that was a discussion point with Coach Frost and Coach Janander. I know Coach uh, McBride gave Chins when he got to town a, a special black shirt belt buckle. And that uh, it's part of the, the responsibility. So Coach Dawson, also part of the media scrum today, as he opened up with uh, the scrimmage, how is the, the how was the second scrimmage on Sunday? And here is uh, Dawson on uh, that side of the ball defensively. What did his guys do to, to show their progress from the first scrimmage to, to scrimmage number two? You know, there's always some technique and fundamental stuff that you got to clean up, uh, especially with that many plays. Uh, but the effort was good. Uh, I thought their mindset was good, treated it like coming into a, a game, which is kind of what you want in those preseason scrimmages. So it's not like you're walking out trying to, uh, you know, all of a sudden be in, hey, I'm in game mentality. Well, I haven't had practiced it. So that was a big point uh, for those guys. I thought they did a pretty good job of handling that. Elijah, do you feel like this team's mature? Maybe mature more so than than in past seasons from a focus standpoint that's something that's so hard to estimate during fall well, you, camp you can throw it out you, there. you you can be mature in a, a more uh societal sense of the term and still not be mature on a football field they're those two completely different things they they can work together but it's not necessarily the case i mean um what's a good marshawn lynch mm-hmm. you look at him and you go is that guy mature off the field? I mean, I mean I'd argue he's childlike. He, he's immature in that sense, but you watch him on a football field, and, man, he plays football like a grown man. He's going to work. He, he, he treats it like a grown man. He's mature on the football field. So it, it's one of those things where I'm going to have to wait to see how this team responds to, say, uh, going down at some point this season. They're down by 10 points in the first quarter. How do they respond? Well, whenever times get tough in the fourth quarter and uh, a team that was down 14 points at the half is now down uh, by, let's say they're down by four points or it's a tie football game, how does the team react? That's more what I'm looking for in terms of is this team mature from a football sense? You know what, what screams maturity on the football field is deflecting negative momentum and seizing momentum. Yep. And that has killed this team in this era and there's one or two plays a game that can turn for or against you and more times than not we can count what it's been what it is punt return (laughs) blocked punt fumble I mean those are those are game changing score changing end of game result changing moments and Nebraska's never for, forever they they seized a moment the the good teams the great teams the championship teams seized the moment this team's had it in front of them and they've had the moment delivered against them when you look at all the two-point conversions that were wacky and crazy a year ago new team different mindset dawson dove into northwestern and uh you know pat fitzgerald's going to be physical and try and run the football 
I, I don't think there's any secret. They have uh, some really good running backs, and um, their old line is very good. And uh, you know, they're they're going to want to run the football. I think that's uh, you know that that's you know probably just about any team's going to want to, especially early in the season, be able to establish the run and run the ball. And you know, same thing on defense. You got to be able to stop the run. That hasn't changed before. A lot of stuff's changed over the last uh, however many years with the different rules and uh, you know the way the games play. But one thing that's say consistent is you got to be able to run the ball. You got to be able to stop the run if you want to be a successful team. So uh, for us on defense, we better be ready to go and um, play against the run game. So that's on the field. Let's get into acclimation with Ireland. The, the team got a bit of a break today after practice, and they're, they were doing a, a swim retreat, which is cool. That's some team building, some fun stuff. But different ball game, business trip over in Ireland. I haven't talked to any guys about it. Like I said, I think that with our guys, we're going to kind of get on the plane. We're going to get over there. It's going to be, you know, get acclimated for, uh, you know, about, you know, maybe 24 hours or something like that. And then we're back into our normal, well, we call it battle rhythm. We kind of count it backwards from the when the game starts. We're going to be on our normal preparation, our normal schedule over there and um, get ready to go that way. So uh, it's going to be, it's probably be a little bit different for us that way. But, we'll, uh, you know, it's maybe a couple extra nights in the hotel. But we're all together. We're all going to have very similar schedule to what we've had and i don't think that'll be too much of a change for the guys vic emails in chris at hailvarsity.com uh, his take on maturity is being able to deal with that bad play do you let it deflate you uh you mentioned off the field and on the field maturity uh, a guy who came in with uh, a ton of hype that's tried to fit in as one of the guys is oshan more from dawson on oshan mathis and uh, how he's fit in with the rest of his teammates yeah, I think when you bring a guy like Oshan in the room, um, number one, he's a great guy. Uh, he's got a great personality. He handled being the new guy in the room really well. Um, you know, I think he's kind of, um, I guess, earned the trust of the guys a little bit as a, as, as the new guy coming in and done a nice job with that and also uh, has played extremely hard. You know, there's some pressure on him, too, to learn a whole new system and learn the new language and all that stuff. And it, I think the way that he's attacked that, I think, impressed the guys. So um, I think it made it a lot easier for him by his work ethic has got a pretty humble demeanor for a guy that's a really good player and um, he's done a nice job fitting him really well. So more on Oshan's adjustment to Nebraska. So the way he attacked it, uh, number one, I think increasing and elevating his uh, speed and effort on the field. I think that's something that stood out probably to me fairly quickly. Hey, the first couple days, he may, might not have been used to uh, the speed in which we we're practicing individual, doing different things like that. And then he put that in his rear view mirror and jumped right in and kind of, uh, you know, was right next to those guys. And I think he's done a nice job that way. And then the other piece is sometimes when you're the new guy, you kind of have a crutch. Well, I didn't know the play. Uh, because I'm new, or I didn't understand the call because I'm new. He hasn't used that at all. He's gone the other way. Hey, I'm the new guy that's going to not let you down. So I think that was probably a, went a long way in gaining the, the, the respect and the trust of the guys in the room. So you've got trust, respect, maturity, and, and then if that dude's going to go all out, I've got I've to up my game. Coach Frost and I were talking about it maybe like the you know end of the first week and um, you know that impact was uh, visible right away. Um, the guys, it was awesome that the guys that were here, uh, you know, wanted to make sure that they're still the guys that are here and they, they want to be the guys that play and uh, they want to earn their uh, spot on the field and stuff like that. And, that, and it, it has been a little bit of an effect. I think it's been great for Garrett and Caleb as guys that have been uh, in that position for the last couple of years. All of a sudden, there's a little bit more competition. We say it all the time: the, the better the guys are as the twos and the threes and the fours, the, the, that raises the level of competition for everybody all the way up to the starters. Can this team be a tight 
team? Can it have chemistry? Uh, and and that is massive. That's it's an intangible that will deliver wins, and it's something that's been missing. And it's an even bigger ask with all the new faces and puzzle pieces. We'll wind down hour one. Another thought on Ty Robinson, uh, where he's going, and uh, his development. Hail Varsity continues. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Todd emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. I can honestly see Nebraska beat Northwestern, then rest on our laurels and lose the following week to North Dakota or Georgia State. The non-cons not named Oklahoma. Any thoughts? Uh, you beat Northwestern, I think you feel pretty good. I think you, you might be a bit sluggish because you don't have a bye week. Uh, Todd, to paraphrase, not a fan of Scott Frost uh, well, in his I, second email. My take, I do not believe that the teams Nebraska has scheduled in their non-conference, uh, the the lower level teams, like I should, it's I should say. It's not Northern Illinois. They're not any better than the teams Nebraska played last season in that non-conference. Yeah. <laughs> it just comes down to... Uh, that uh, that grip, that pressure dealing with. Uh, you have a, a tweet that came in as well. Love the handle, Ryan. Uh, remember Denny's? Absolutely. Before my time, but heard a lot of good things. When it comes to maturity, that comes with time. I don't think we're going to see that maturity till Oklahoma. Uh, wait to wait, and he says wait to get the black shirts out till Oklahoma. Who's with us? We're getting caught up with Paul. Paul, thanks for calling. Go ahead. No way we lose the second game if we win the first. Hey, I, exactly my thoughts. I think you carry Period. over, carry that mo- that momentum over from what you finally did based on the pressure cooker that, that this game one is. This this team knows that they are coming off of how many losing seasons in a row. They will not look past anyone, and I think we got too much mature seniors and junior leadership and the. Staff. I mean, they're, they're just going to be laser-focused every game. I don't disagree with you. I mean, I just let's just start with, with week one, the the uh, the enormity of starting off conference play, well, 1-0, and, and besides that, the, the trip that this entails, all the logistics. And, but I don't think it's, it's unreasonable to say that Nebraska, if they play up to the level that we should expect from them, that 3-0 should be off the table. It shouldn't be a hope for 3-0. It should be an expectation based on the talent Nebraska has in this no, team. Absolutely. They've had talent yeah. for a lot of years, and they've, they've not delivered on it. So that's that's the sticking point is, are they going to get it together to, to do what they're supposed to do? There's a lot yeah, of teams I mean, you, you look on. Paul, there's a lot of teams you look at and say, well, Nebraska should beat them. Vegas says Nebraska should beat them, and hasn't happened. Absolutely, and, and quite frankly, you have to take every game as they come, and you have to prepare for God help us. Uh, if there's major injuries left and right, or if there's some other fluke going on, but honestly, I like our chances to be three and O. I would be beyond shocked if that doesn't happen, unless there's some really surprisingly good Northwestern team in the uh, offing. The only problem is, is last year I said I would have been shocked if Nebraska would have lost like that to Illinois, and they, they still did. So Found a way. They found a way to Again, lose. Again, those momentum-changing plays. Paul, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate you thanks, listening. 
uh, 466-3776. Ten minutes away, Rick Kaczynski will get with us. We'll talk with Kaz about the uh, the black shirt ceremony. It's kind of like the, uh, not putting a negative connotation on this, but the old mafia, right, getting made. You uh, get that black shirt. It's a career changing for you. We also had a tweet in saying we, we need to ask Kaz if Nebraska finally beats Iowa this year. And something tells me that that, that Kaz would stay the hell away from, from answering that. But. You know, I uh, let's see how Northwestern goes before we, we get into the <laughs> yeah. end of the season. Iowa's a ways away. Reminder to buckle up, hands on the wheel, eyes in mind. Straight ahead, the driver, one job to drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Give the radio Twitter a follow at HVarsity Radio. Hour two next with Coach Rick Kaczynski. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment it's a new environment with over two million dollars in improvements you have access to generous benefits packages company support for health and wellness and you do impactful work on a national scale make a difference their team's constantly growing and they're always looking for new people to join their mission check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, Hour 2. We kick it off with a Tuesday with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski with his Iowa and Nebraska assistant. Kaz, you ready for some football? Have you? Did you wear eye black? Let me ask you that. No. 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 <laughs> not even before you, moved, not. before you moved mm-hmm. from tight end or quarterback to O-line? You didn't nah, even wear quarterback no. eye black? Nah, not a whole no, no, wasn't. Uh, you were a face painter. No, no, no. I don't. I don't think we were allowed at, at, for any of the programs I played played at. Um, going back to uh, going all the way back to fourth grade. Yeah, no, no eye black. No eye black. Had the old. You, you, you wouldn't remember um, but the old J pads. I'm sure there's some listeners that remember them. The old. Uh, Old arm pads. Oh yeah, you okay? Yeah, the old J pads. They, um, um, I think Johnson and Johnson made them, but they didn't help. But uh, they, they kind of cool. look cool. But like <laughs> there was like one one set for the for the team. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, other than that, man, uh, I tape tape my wrist just because I, I thought it uh, I thought it looked cool. For some reason, I thought it made your uh, your arms look. 
was bigger. I don't know, but yeah, other than other than wrist tape, and then I don't in the '90s they got a little bit crazy with the blood. Um, so there's a couple games I had to wear. Uh, I had to wear a um, a glove, um, which I wasn't a glove guy. I hated gloves, and uh, but I had to wear a glove because my uh, my stitches kept coming out during the game, and uh, they had to pull you out. But so yeah, nothing. Nothing, nothing fancy, brother. No, no, uh, no long sleeves um, under the jersey, and uh, and wrist tape. And that kind of, that was kind of for for everybody across the board, man. What about the neck roll? God, no, oh, no, absolutely not. No. All right, all right. I had no, nah, no. Nah, you can't move your head in those things, man. <laughs> Wasn't that the point? Nah, once. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, see Elijah's athletes. You got to move your head. Back then, I, was, I had to, I had to catch footballs and stuff. So I, did, I wasn't, I wasn't just a lineman where I had to look straight ahead. So I had, my head had to move. Yeah, yeah, those were. Yeah, no, no wreck, no, no neck roll. I can see yeah. why it's helpful for linemen though. It's, it's like those blinders on horses. Just keep your attention <laughs> right ahead. You just worry about this guy right in front of you. Nothing else. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much it. And uh, yeah, they don't they, they don't let anybody fool you. Nobody, nobody, nobody actually wore those in the '80s and '90s because for their neck, they they thought it looked cool. Everybody <laughs> had bigger pads. Now, yeah, you know, everybody went from getting bigger bigger shoulder pads to now they they look like your pads. So yeah, you know it's uh, yeah small and and light, but uh, yeah, some of the some of the old equipment. Good lord, it's. <laughs> oh man! The old yeah. pads for yeah. your hip, Kaz. You were the Mark Bavaro of Erie, correct? Oh yeah, man, Bavaro. He was a yeah, he was a stud, Bavaro. Christensen. Oh man, yeah. Just go down the uh, the old tight end list. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. There's some some great tight ends during that uh, during that period. Kyle Brady. That was oh, yeah. my dude. Growing. Up. Yeah. That dude was. Uh, that was there was a kid from um, when I was a young kid who played on uh, Penn State's national championship team, Brian Cyberling. Okay. He, uh, yeah, he was a he was a tight end. He was a freak athlete. Uh, you know, from my hometown, so grew up grew up watching him. But yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, man. That was uh, there was dudes. Obviously, Ozzy Newsome. Mm-hmm. Man, Oz, the wizard. He was the man. So. Yeah, great position, you know, because you block, catch, do all that stuff. But you know, yeah, get the you don't have to get fat like a like a lineman. Gaz, I want to get your take. What was your input and uh, your approach with the black shirts when it came time to handing them out? That's on the horizon here. Not sure if it's going to be Sunday before they get packed up, or if it's going to be waiting for the kids in in Ireland when they get to the locker room. You know, I think leading up to that. You know, with Bo, and I think individually what we did as coaches, you know, before the black shirts were handed out, you know, was talking about the history, not not necessarily the history of even the black shirt, but the history of the defense, sure. the history about what Nebraska stood for and, you know, why they were called the black shirts and how they became the black shirts and how people recognize Nebraska nationally for the, for the black shirt. So, you know, we concentrated more on, um, you know what it what it stood for than the actual you know here's your you know here's your jersey and um you know I and I think it was important for the guys to understand you know going back talking about George Kelly and you know George Kelly was a was a coach um, 
know, he was an administrator when I was at when I was at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. so I knew Coach Kelly. And um, I mean, you're talking about a guy that coached with Coach Devaney, then Coach Parsegian, and then was an administrator with with uh, uh, you know coach with Coach Faust, and then was uh you know got tired of coaching and stuck around with coach Holtz for till he retired so i mean you, you can't uh you know the football gods shone shined on uh on coach kelly so you're talking about that guy and to to know the guy that was was the actual person that went to the store and purchased the black shirts mm-hmm. and knowing and knowing that history and then and then what it became um you know and how it caught on almost you know immediately and but it but it, it wasn't because they were black shirts. It was the guys who were who were in the black shirts, um, you know, the the rich glovers, those types. So I think it's real important, and it was important for us to talk about the guys and the coaches, you know, Coach Kiffin and Coach McBride, um, and the responsibility and the privilege of of coming to that. So you had to make it a big deal because it was part of the tradition of Nebraska, but it also defined the success and the, in the correlation of success, not just, Oh, Hey, you're a defensive player for Nebraska. It's something that you earned, but then also it's not, it's also a responsibility. So when we, when we handed those things out and we probably didn't hand them out quite as much as people wanted or, but uh, you know, we, we just didn't, hey, you know, put it in your locker. You know, we we talked to them about it. We would go through, we would go through fall camp and we would go through spring and we would talk about the guys that were here before and we would name them and we would talk about them. And then, you know, I, I was able to talk to these guys about, hey, man, when I was playing at Notre Dame, like these guys, man, this was present time. I'm like these these were dudes. You know, I was kind of glad we didn't have to play these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, we would look forward for the challenge, but I'm like. Man, these were the black shirts. I mean, in South Bend, Indiana, you you knew about you knew about the black shirts, and the black shirts were fit, were feared back then. And then, then you're going all the way back to Coach Devaney, and then and then Coach Osborne teams in the '80s. So, so I think you know it was it, it, it's representative of the defense, represents the responsibility, um, you know, the spirit, and and what it what it means to be part of that defense but i think it also it defines success so you know i mean to uh to much is given to much mm-hmm. is expected and if you didn't meet those expectations you know i'd actually have no problem taking that shirt and uh you know it's it's funny not funny but you know this story i remember i was telling right before we played southern cow I, you know, I told those players man we had the guys who had the black shirts and they had the practice black shirts. And I told all those guys, I said, I, I want the black shirts. I said, you guys give me your black shirts. I wanted that as a souvenir. And it's fun. I, I had them. And I'm like, you know what? These guys, this is, this is, <laughs> these are your jerseys. You guys earned them. So I gave them all back. I gave them all back their practice black shirts, but you know, it was a, it was a cool deal. And, and I thought, and I told those guys then I said, you guys, Hey, I said, give these shirts to your kids someday. And I said, just explain. Explain what goes into that. So hell yeah, man. It's a it's a big old it's a it's a big old deal, man. And uh, it was a big deal for us. And I know Bo, you know, I, I just just uh you know, I don't want to just blanket the media, but I know there was just so much talk about uh, you know and I was only there three years, but there was always talk about how Bo didn't put, you know, the effort or talk about it. And that's that's 
that's false, man. Mm-hmm. That's false. You know, I mean, that's stuff that we talked about before I even got to, mm-hmm. before I even got to Nebraska. But yeah, it's a it's a hell of a tradition, it's a hell of a responsibility, and um, you know, it, it defines Nebraska in success. How did the the line react with the the black shirts before that Holiday Bowl when you said, "Let me see him"? Well, you know. They all gave them to me, and uh, you know that, it, that that meant that meant a lot, and uh, I think it meant a lot more to them too. Um, me giving them back mm-hmm. because when I had them in my hand, it was like kind of like, man, I I didn't earn it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it's kind of how I felt. And then and then I think it was kind of like uh, you know it was kind of bittersweet. Like I'm not coaching these guys again, but I'm like, hey guys, before you know it, you're going to have a kid. And then, you know, you talk to them about this. And, you know, you talk about you talk about this moment, you know. And I said, that's, that's, that's all I want you guys to do. You know, I want you guys to come back when you're 40 years old, come back to campus. Because, you know, guys then, I mean, that was a crazy time, man, you know, with the staff turnover and how it went down and, and um, you know, how, you know, how you're, how you're boy, is that your cousin? Of course, he was your cousin, right? Easy. How, you know, how he handled no, everything. Come on, man. So, you know, I mean, yeah. guys were going to take – I mean, it was wild. Like, guys were taking ends off their helmets. Guys were taking stripes off. And, and then we finally – I mean, it, it was a crazy month. And, uh, you know, you're playing in a, a bowl game as a lame duck staff, and you got a, you got a, you got a, you got a bunch of dudes walking around the second floor with a losing record from the West Coast that know nothing about the Big Ten or Nebraska. And you're like, what? What? Is, you know, it's like bizarre world. I'm waiting for, you know, Rod Serling to uh, to appear in the in the hallway from the Twilight Zone. You know, so so. But when we talked to the kids at that point, it was like, hey, listen, man. This is this is one stop on our road. This is where you guys went to school. You know, Nebraska will always be your school. This is so so it was a pretty it was a pretty good deal. And like we talked, when you guys come back, you know, forty years now from with your wife and kids, man, you know, you want the guys you played with and the guys who coach you to look with uh, you know, look upon you with respect. You know, and if and those guys were in that black shirt, you know, let me tell you, like when you talk about passing them out before you pass those shirts out, the guys Every everybody on that team knew who deserved them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there ain't, there's no surprises. It's just like I told guys all the time. We come in the we come in the film room on Sunday, and everything they didn't need my grade sheet to know how they played. And if you're a football player, you know. I just go before I hand them their grade sheet. I'd say, hey, how you played? I'd ask them how you played, how you played, and it's no different with the black shirt. So there was no there was there was no surprises. There was no. And if we had to take it back which didn't happen a whole lot, uh, it wasn't a surprise either. Just for the record, I am not related to the Shermanator, okay? Just, just <laughs> so so we get that out there. But thanks for, for, for that, Kaz. Uh, <laughs> Rick Kaczynski's with us. So what? Let's, let's get to Northwestern here. You played those guys a ton. You know uh, how good Fitz is. You know, what, what do you expect – Saturday. I don't know that we'll talk. I'll be hopefully uh, sticking the landing. Drunk. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no. Yeah. No, no, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, you, you, you know, expect it. Expect it to be a tough game. Yeah. That's that's what that's what you you know when you play Northwestern. There's very you know. Gosh, going back what? Four, five, six, seven, eight. times mm-hmm. playing Northwestern. I there there was there was two games two 
games, two of those 11 times were, you know, in the fourth quarter, you felt pretty good. You know, I mean, you're like, yeah, okay, we're, we're in control. Um, but, you know, so when, when the game's easy against Northwestern, it's always, it's a, it's a surprise. Mm. Um, you know, what they've been hearing, what they've been hearing all off season is how disappointing, how they're not any good, how they don't have, you know, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have a running back. They lost this. You know, they say that, they say that every year. And then, um, you know, he'll go win nine, 10 games and compete for the West. So it's going to be it's going to be an extremely tough game. I mean, you're you're talking about a guy um, been there a long time. He knows what it takes to win at uh, at Northwestern, and I think this is when you see Fitz at his best when people don't expect anything from them. And um, you know, I know they they lost some key guys, but I think they got a couple guys in the portal that that will help them. And you know, Fitz will never be a guy that'll take multiple multiple guys and build his program around a portal. I mean. He's he's going to build it from the from the ground up. He's he's gonna he's gonna win with veteran offensive linemen that you know that won three games, that won two games, that won two games in the Big Ten and got their tail kicked in at home. Um, you know, next thing you know, you're lining up against those dudes and they're 23 years old and they're pissed off and um, you know and then and then they're grown men. Uh, I've, I've had a chance. I've I've known. Um, I've had a chance to meet Skronsky. I mean, that mm-hmm. that dude's a stud. Uh, and you know he's he's their leader, but I mean they got a great right tackle too, man. And uh, you know if you got if you if you got two tackles, especially in, in that offense, um, because they they do create some number problems for you. They put you in some run pass conflicts, uh, and they make you loosen up. That they, you know it just has a way with that offense to to make you play soft, to make you think. Because, you know, every offensive play on paper is designed to, uh, you know, be a home run. Obviously, that doesn't happen a whole lot, especially in the Big Ten. But when you're playing Northwestern, if you make a mistake, man, it's going to be a huge play. And they capitalize on that. And I don't know if there's a staff in the Big Ten that's better at adjustments and not halftime adjustments. I'm talking they see something once and they see a weak point, they see a breaking point, they're going to go attack it. So, uh Man, they're going to make everything hard on both sides of the ball. You have to earn everything. There's nothing better than enjoying some sun with a drink and hot dog in hand, taking in America's pastime. Whether you're here for the baseball or the entertainment that comes with it, Werner Park is the place to be. The Omaha Storm Chasers have a handful of home games remaining, so get your tickets before it's too late. Give yourself something to look forward to as the summer winds down. Don't miss this opportunity to make lifelong memories with family and friends. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Rick Kaczynski's with us at Hale Varsity Radio, talking Northwestern, black shirts. Kaz, uh, want to get your thoughts on the Nebraska offensive line. That's really a key this season and, and a key in the Big Ten. And a couple of guys, of course, Coach Raiola, his first year. Coach Cooling, he's the GA. But both guys uh, spent time under Coach Highstand at, at Notre Dame, and I know you're familiar with with Coach Highstand and in, in, in the Irish. And tell me a little bit about his philosophy and maybe what we can expect from the Nebraska offensive line with that uh, that influence from Highstand and of course Raiola and Cooling. Yeah, well, you know Harry. Um, and I call him Harry, like we're, you know, like we like to 
and drink beer together. But you know, I, I know I know Coach from from Joe. He's a he's a he's a Joe Moore guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a uh, you know he's a he's a uh, Pennsylvania guy, and he's also a guy that uh, you don't see many Coach High stands anymore. I mean, you're talking about a guy that you know played at Springfield in East Stroudsburg and then coached at East Stroudsburg and then Penn and then became a graduate assistant when he was older, then went to the Mac and then Cincinnati, you know, he had a lot of jobs and then he worked his, he worked his way up. Um, but you know, he, he, he kind of cut his teeth. And I think when Harry became Harry, he was always a great offensive line coach. But when people started to notice Harry was when he was at Illinois with coach Turner and coach mm-hmm. Turner is a is a Joe Moore. I mean, he's an offensive line guy. I mean, that's he understood that's where it starts. And you know, Harry is a dude um, that he blocks people. You're not going to see Harry hitting sleds. Right? You're not going to see Harry telling you good job a whole lot. You know, Harry coaches you to block um, Reggie White. You know, not the dude. You know, not the backup. Um, you know, three technique at uh, Idaho State, you know, so he puts a ton of pressure on you in practice. You know, he, he, everything, it's a Joe Moore philosophy. It goes back to, you know, Joe Moore was a dude that there was not a sled. When you had individual, you know, what do you need? You need people to beat up on one another. You know, you have to block people. You have to be able to stabilize your own balance using your own body. You know, when you use sleds, you do all that crap. You know, you're 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 off balance. So I know it's a completely different philosophy. On you know, some guys beat up sleds. Joe Moore, Harry, they beat up on people. So, you know, it's like boxing. Um, you know, I can I can knock the hell out of a stagnant uh, bag. Uh, I I can't can't I can't uh, I can't um, um, you know uh, you put me in the ring with somebody and I'll probably be knocked out in about, uh, in about 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, you know, it's like, uh, I got a pretty good jumper, uh, when I don't have to dribble nobody's guarding me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, same thing. And that's kind of Harry's philosophy. And, um, you know, I'm sure that's, um, you know, coach Raiola's philosophy mm-hmm. too. I mean, you know, you, you block people, they're tough, going to put pressure on you. It's not a nice guy game, right? I mean, it's just not, especially up front going to push you to your limits um you know he's going to be hard on you and you know you, you know you should uh, you know iron sharpens iron he's going to throw you into the fire man and uh there's going to be high 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 expectations set for you extremely high and then it's his job he's not he's he's not going to lower the, the, the expectations for anybody and um so i think that's why he's had had the success and does do kids like that especially nowadays some don't man but you know what those are the kids you're not you're not going to win with anyway you know you're going to find out in spring ball and in fall camp you know who you're going um you know who you're going to be breaking the huddle with and who you can count on so uh yeah man i mean i i, I love it i'd love to be out there watching those guys practice because I, I bet if you went to a practice you're not going to see uh you're not going to see any sleds or any other bs that you don't need you're going to see people hitting people like you should do in uh, in football. So I just don't understand how you hit a sled over and over and over unless you're working on something specific, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's specific things that you can do, um, you know, sled work for hands and things like that. But that's just 
I don't understand how you get better at blocking unless you're blocking people. And it was the same way with the D-line um, when I coached. So uh, I think what you'll see, Nebraska firing off the ball, and they'll be blocking people. And they're going to know what the hell they're doing too, man. They are, you know. They're going to know. And they're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be what I like about Harry, what I know about Coach Easton is he always taught his guys what everybody else was doing, what they were responsible for. You know, you, if you were the center, you better know what the four other guys, you better know what the quarterback, you better know what the tight end, you better see the safeties, you better know how the coverage rolls, you better know, who, you know how many it takes to on hot. So a lot of pressure put on you, a lot of pressure put on you before you came out the tunnel. So then that way, you know what, the staff, the quarterback, and the guy next to you knew what you had. Rick Kaczynski's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and, and Ricky, you got a unique perspective here, being a, a pretty high-level offensive lineman yourself, and then you coached some very high-level defensive lines. Are, are there any hallmarks of, of a great offensive line, aside from the obvious? I'm not talking looking at the uh, the depth chart and seeing that they got six foot seven road graders on the offensive line. Were there any things you, you like looked for as a defensive line coach in an opposing offensive line? Things that if an offensive line did this well, they were probably a, a, a good unit and something you were going to have to be ready for, anything like that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, athleticism and toughness. You know, Elijah, when you know, when you're in this long enough, like everything else, it's, it's no different than a business, man. You, everybody has a reputation, no different than, you know, Chrysler or GM or Ford. You know, you have a reputation um, based off the product you put out there, and people – people people learn about you so you know you knew just like northwestern you knew what you were going to get with it you know there's other teams that in the big 10 that you know these guys aren't very well these guys aren't very well um the very well coached these guys aren't that athletic these guys you know you, you know you knew the hard-nosed teams you knew the hard-nosed offensive linemen because you knew how they were coached so i think in in my opinion um, okay, man, you got Division One athletes, you got Power Five scholarship guys. It takes a special guy to get there, right? It takes a certain type of of body. It takes a certain type of athleticism. But you know, when you're in this long enough, with the players take on the identification of their coach, right? And you know, there was some games, some offensive lines I couldn't I couldn't wait to play because I knew their coach, I knew how he coached, I knew his philosophy, and I knew how those guys practiced. And then there was other guys I knew where I'm like, all right, this is gonna be a dang dog fight, right? It's gonna be a fist fight. So, so I think, you know, you know, when you when you talk about, hey, you know, what's it yeah, how do you how do you identify? I mean, what are what what did you you know, what did you see in offensive linemen? Obviously athleticism, but I always looked at the coach what he was coaching these guys and how he was coaching these guys and what he was expecting from these guys. And I think you guys can look at it. I mean, you know, go, go across the big 10. I mean, you you can, you could take the big 10 teams and look at their O line and say, I bet, I bet this, uh, I bet, uh, I bet this O line coach tells his players they're pretty good a lot and they stink. Right. <laughs> and this O line coach is probably pretty tough on his guys. So, I mean, Dan Rochard, I mean, there was some great when he was at Michigan State when I was at Iowa. I mean, there was there was some great Bob Bostad. He was at Wisconsin. I mean, there there was some dudes. There's a lot of offensive line coaches um, that were in the Big Ten now now that are that are in the NFL. You know, including Harry. I think Harry Harry left Illinois and went to the Bears. You know, so uh, 
you know, that's it's not a it's not a it's not a nice guy position, you know, up there. I mean, you're 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 teaching guys how to fight. Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio, a Tuesday with Kaz. Kaz, thanks for, for taking time and letting us uh, inside a little bit with the black shirt tradition, all the things, and I'll be sure to uh, to take a picture. I might even FaceTime you when I'm having a Guinness next week. <laughs> That'd be great, man. You enjoy yourself and, uh, and be safe, man. Will do. Appreciate you, Kaz. All right, guys. Appreciate you guys. Rick Kaczynski with us, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, and uh, he loves to to tell fables of my uh, relation to uh, Sean Eichhorst, the Shermanator, and he thinks I just have an IV of booze into my arm. You've known me long enough, Elijah, that that's not out of the realm of possibility, but I picked my spots. Yeah, uh, I got, we can do a little little side-by-side here. Of, uh, I got a picture of Sean Eichhorst. Pull that up on the screen. <laughs> if you're uh, if you're checking out the uh, the stream on Hale Varsity's YouTube page, the you the, uh, now. the high school years for for Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I hope people out there get that joke. They do. Well, here's the thing: like Butch and Searles and some of those those guys were the ones who nicknamed him the Shermanator. Can you do a side by side? Of of Icorse, the attorney, and and uh, the actor from American Pie, the Shermanator. Well, I can do. There's Icorse. Right. Yeah. We'll see what years of stress and right. There, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> this is pretty good for ESPN. Adam Rittenberg dove into ranking football coaches, and you've got different categories from contenders to overachievers, and you've got your usual suspects, national title contenders, and it's led up by Saban. The next up, uh, programs that are very consistent, and they've been on that doorstep. And then Pat Fitzgerald gets the category of overachievers. He's second-ranked right behind our dear friend, the pirate Mike Leach. So you, you had a... Uh, a nod and and as good as Gary Barnett coach Barney was at Colorado and Northwestern Barney was below 500 at Northwestern because you know it took four or five years to build up and then he had two killer seasons you go to the Rose Bowl and then you go to the Citrus Bowl a couple of 10 and twos and then you you drift back and you build back but Fitz has has been there 16 years he's 109 and 90 Think about that, 109 wins at, at Northwestern, and he's been in two conference title games, and he's listed number two as the overachievers, right? You got the Pirate, you got Fitzgerald, you got Matt Campbell, and then you have Mark Stoops in there, Clawson at Wake, Tedford at Fresno, Munkin at Army, Freeze at Liberty, Fleckin at number nine. But Fitz is... I mean, there's a monster fear factor in this league, rightfully so, for what he gets his guys ready for. And he's getting NFL talent. You got NFL guy on the defensive edge. You've got a first-round tackle on the offensive side. And that's been picking up. We'll uh, head to Better Call Saul land. Mike St. James on the way with Hale Varsity.
Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 dollars off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Well, a little bit sad to do this for the final time. Better Call Saul recap the series finale last night. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about the finale. If you haven't watched it, that's a you problem. <laughs> and if you haven't, I get we. I understand you get busy. Mike St. James in with us. He got turned on to it by our dear friend Timo, who went to college, hung out with Bob Odenkirk, Saul. So tip of the cap to Timo. We're all Breaking Bad fans. And Saul, did it deliver? Did it stick the landing? What did you think of the finale? Mike St. James with us, a.k.a. Sparty, big-time Michigan State fan. Mike, thanks for the time, brother. But how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm with you. I'm, I'm sad that it's over, too. But, yeah, they stuck the landing. I thought it was terrific. Okay. So pretty much the long and short, uh, the little old lady, Carol Burnett, Ratted out Saul. That was towards the end of the second to last episode. Saul gets in whatever the hell he's driving in uh, Omaha winter conditions. Doesn't get very far. There's the uh, police helicopter. There's police everywhere. Manhunt time. And Saul jumps in a dumpster, loses his diamonds. (laughs) And... uh, there's four guns facing him as he crawls out of the dumpster, and away we go to uh, to Saul negotiating. What did you think of the sit-down with the New Mexico district attorney from Albuquerque? Oh, God, I love that. I love. I was shocked, though, when he was caught that early in the show. Were you, were you surprised by how quickly they caught him? I thought that was going to be a big part of the show, the chase. I, I did, too, but there's just no way around it. With uh, Carol Burnett's eyesight being able to crank out the old license plate number. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they had that sit down and they started at, what was it, life plus 190 years? Yes. And then they were going to offer him 30. And oh my God. Then he really turns into Saul and talks them down to, to like seven and a half seven years. Seven years. Means, yeah. In the meantime, they bring back um, uh, what's her face, Marie from from uh, Breaking Bad. That was awesome. The, was great. The, the, the purple loving klepto. Yes. Um, yes. So, so there was a cameo by by Jonathan Banks as Mike. They're out in the desert on the uh, the, the cartel run from a season ago. Yeah. You had Walter White and Saul in the safe house before they get transported yep. by the the, the, the the vacuum shop owner. And it was all about reminiscing and regrets, 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 regrets. What's, what's crazy about this 
is, and it's not really that crazy, but you had Saul for the first time in his life step up and do the right thing and lay it out there and take responsibility for, for all of it, his greed. Yeah. And then you had the, you had the Chuck scene as well. Mm-hmm. And that, kind of, that was cool because that reminded us there was a good side to Saul, you know, in the beginning. He took care of Chuck. Mm-hmm. He didn't Chuck's have to a do wet that. job, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he did. He he took care of him, and then of course that relationship ended up turning, and he really was responsible for Chuck's death, like he admitted to. And yeah, yeah, it was it was cool to see Saul like then deciding to become Jimmy again, and really basically because he sees Kim Wexler in the courtroom, and and I think that that seems to be what what really helped him make that decision. So Saul gets. I don't know, not 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 life plus a hundred and nine years, but he's in for at least eighty six with good behavior. The cool yeah. scene at the end is Kim visits him as as his lawyer, and for a moment there, it, it felt like it might go might go conjugal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, she's looking out the window of the door to see if anybody's anybody's watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a, a little too much to hope for, I think, for Saul and us. Well, what's funny, too, is Saul's in there. He's, he's doing the old bus ride to prison. He had a chance to go to Club Fed that had a golf course where Uncle Bernie was, was sent, and he ends up going to, like, a Supermax hellhole. But all the inmates in there are treating him like a king. Yeah. Yeah, and you can, and then he gets like a little smile on his face, like, "Okay, I think, I think I can handle this." At that point, yeah, that, that was cool. And then, well, the, what was it? Better call Saul. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. They get the chant going on the bus, and the bus drivers tell him to shut up. He's working in the uh, the prison uh, bake shop making dough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. So it's it's it, and that looked like a scene out of the cinema. I thought for the life of me, he was going to get shivved or worse, but he may survive and, and be treated like royalty in jail. I mean, he's truly a criminal lawyer now, and I think Kim's at peace. He's gotten all of that off of his chest and. Jesse's free, Walt's dead, the Salamancas are wiped out, Hank is, is, is gone, Marie was there as a, you know, a victim, and, mm-hmm. and then you have... Mike's dead. Mike's gone, Gus is gone, so, so one escapes, Kim's free to do whatever, and Saul's doing, doing life. Yeah. You know what? You watch a lot of crime shows, don't you? Like a lot of the great crime dramas we've seen. It's surprising how few end up with a criminal going to prison. They don't. They end up dead or on the on the lamb. Yeah. Well, what I think this might set up, Mike, is a thrilling courtroom movie featuring Saul trying to get out on legal technicalities using all his lawyer skills, right? 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 He he oh, had he, he had that down. I mean, he had 7 years with with everything yeah. they threw on and and he ended up He was negotiating ice cream yeah. at that point. Yeah, but the uh the metaphor for ice cream was was Kim. 
Yeah. And so overall, give me a give me a grade on the finale, Mike St. James. Uh, I give it a solid A. Okay. There's really I couldn't improve on it. I I think it I think it was great. They didn't go for. I'm sure there was a lot of pressure on them to do something crazy at mm-hmm. the end. They didn't do anything crazy. They did something that fit with the characters and really kind of it, it made you really like Kim and Saul again. And and I think mm-hmm. as fans of the show, we wanted to like them. Breaking Bad, Sopranos, Ozark, Better Call Saul. I've got 30 seconds. Little less than. Where does this finale rank? This is oh, it's it's way above the Sopranos. I hated that finale. Okay. God, I hated that so much. Um, and it's better. I, I like it better than Ozark. I didn't like it quite as much as Breaking Bad. I I love that that shooting scene in Breaking Bad and that final episode. The, oh, that was great. Well, Sparty, we may reach out to you during football season uh, for sure. Hoops, we'll get you down here for a Nebraska Sparty. But thanks for jumping on and doing this, bud. It's fun. Oh, you bet. I've enjoyed it. What a great show. All right. There he is, Mike St. James, our Better Call Saul insider, his review of Saul Gone. Sparty, have a good night, bud. Thank you. You too, Schmitty. All right. There he is, Mike St. James. We'll wind down a Tuesday. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Your child has brain cancer. Can you imagine hearing those words about your own child? Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special, and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments, giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big thanks to Rick Kaczynski. Check that out on the podcast page. ESPNLincoln.com, the on-demand, and we'll have the full show podcast up on Hale Varsity's YouTube channel, the video portion, and uh, for audio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, tell a friend, subscribe, and uh, give us a a rating, good, bad, or ugly. We'll take the feedback. We love hearing about it, and uh, subscribe, and it don't cost you nothing, as uh, Bluto says in Animal House. When the uh, the new recruits come through the front door, and uh, yeah, uh, get that as part of your your day, the Hail Varsity podcast. But but seriously, don't be shy about the feedback. Uh, we do this show for you, the people. 
So uh, we want to make the best product possible. I saw just yesterday on YouTube, somebody wants me uh, to add in some timestamps in the description so they know where they can get to each segment. I heard your feedback. That will be up on the YouTube page today. Uh, this is just a great example of us hearing your feedback. We're going to try to turn that around as quick as possible. And uh, at the end of the day, we want to make the best show possible for you. And uh, to do that, we need to hear what you want from us. So uh, please feel free to give us some feedback. We'd love to hear it. Evan Bland with us from the Omaha World Herald. Get his take on Husker football tomorrow. We'll spend time with Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity. And then, you know what you need to take with you to Ireland? You need a fullback with you, especially inside the five. We, unfortunately, are, are not taking Joel McAvicka with us. Doesn't fit in the carry-on. No, no, no. <laughs> but but uh, he would take your money on the golf course. Pretty sure over in Ireland or... Uh, at home on, on U.S. soil. But Joel McAvicka will be with us tomorrow, get his take on the, the Husker running backs. So that's uh, on the line. We're uh, angling for some fun on Thursday. And then Friday, we are on the road. We're at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista, 4-6. to six. This Friday and next week, before we depart for Ireland on Wednesday, Tuesday, don't forget, day by day, will be showing at the Hale Varsity Club, the Nebraska football documentary. you got to see if you haven't. And uh, there's not a bad spot to watch at the Hale Varsity Club up in La Vista, right near Cabela's and the Embassy Suite. So we're there on Friday. I'm thinking about a roadie Tuesday, possibly, if that can work out ahead of day by day. And then I will uh, get my goggles on and swim over to Ireland and uh, we'll be ready to go for Friday, Saturday, Monday shows over there. So that's uh, what's ahead for us. Do you have any tea times in Ireland, Seth? No, I'm not bringing my clubs, dude. It's a work trip. You, you could rent some on the Sunday, you know? Man. Sunday's, Sunday's an off day. I am finding pubs and taverns on Sunday. Smart, smart. That's what, that's what <laughs> You know what? Finding pubs. I'll, I'll get golf in here Saturday, I'm thinking, weather permitting. But... No man, I'm gonna I'm gonna treat my liver <laughs> accordingly over there uh, on on Sunday, and then we'll be ready for a show Monday. Well, a a reaction show of happiness. I hope for you, the Nebraska fan. So check out the podcast. Uh, be sure to listen to Kaz. Good stuff from Rick Kaczynski on the black shirts. We'll have that up on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Thanks for tuning in to Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A Huda Media Production.